In this episode of Scaling Postgres, we talk about scaling out, planner estimation, create statistics, and stay curious. I'm Creston Jamison, and this is Scaling Postgres, episode 103. All right, I hope you're having a great week. Our first piece of content is preparing your Postgres data for scale out. And this is from dev.2. And they're discussing different preparations you would need to do if you're wanting to potentially scale out your database. Now they talk about two different types of scale, scaling up, which is just basically putting your database on a larger instance, give it more memory, CPU, disk, et cetera. Scale out is when you add one or more instances and try to scale out across multiple databases. And they have a little table that talks about the ease of doing both, the effectiveness, unique benefits, and gotchas. Basically, the easiest is definitely that this scale up, it's relatively quick to do. The gotcha is a single point of failure, where scaling out requires some more planning upfront, but it does have some interesting benefits in terms of maintaining the database being online. Now, the, one of the first areas they cover is, do you want to do read-only or read-write? Because read-only is just basically setting up some read replicas, which are relatively easy to do. And we have some tutorials at Scaling Postgres that discuss how to do that. Read-writing is harder because then you're going to actually have to shard your data across different databases. Now, going into sharding, they talk about uh, different patterns you can use. You could do a range-based partitioning. And they use the example here. So you have a set of last names and you want to put certain last names into separate database systems. Now it's a derived example, but it still demonstrates what range-based partitioning means. But of course the disadvantage of that, you can get hotspots with it. Like they mentioned, there's a tons of people with the last name Smith in the United States. That's next type of partitioning you can consider is vertical partitioning. So for example, this is basically a service-based approach. So maybe you have some microservices and each of those have the separate database. Well, with that, your service can be scaled up by and each individual database that is responsible for part of that service doesn't have to be as large. But as you scale, you may eventually get to the point where the databases of one of those services is too large and you need to scale it out. Then they go into hash-based partitioning. Basically, you have some sort of value and you create a hash of it and you assign data to that particular partition. Now, I think a lot of uh, solutions like Citus may be using something similar to this or some so sort of partitioning key in order to do sharding. So I would say this is probably one of the more popular ones. And then lastly, it talks about directory-based partitioning. Basically, you have some service that sits between your app and the database and dictates where it goes. So this is probably more complex because you have to have the separate service that interprets where the data should go. And then of course there's difficulty when you actually do decide to shard because eventually you may want to bring that data back together and then how do you do cross shard joins and things of that nature. But this blog post is a pretty good overview of the things you need to consider if you eventually get to the point where you actually want to scale out across multiple database instances. So if you're interested in that, definitely blog post to check out. Next piece of content is planner selectivity estimation Error Statistics with PG Qualstats 2. So quite a mouthful. <laughs> this is from Arjuju's blog at arjuju.github.io. And he's talking about a Qualstats, specific, specifically Qualstats 2, which is an extension, and I'll have a link here, 
that keeps statistics on the predicates found in where statements and join clauses. So generally, like for example, I believe PG stat statements does not include what are the exact values being used, whereas this is something that Qualstats tries to track. Now they had a previous post that they discuss here where it's talking about being able to do index prediction on what indexes would be good to add, whereas this particular feature talks about being able to look at relationships between columns within a table in terms of estimating if they need additional statistics. So by default, statistics are tracked per column and they don't track relationships between columns. So for example, it doesn't track there's so many zip codes in a state or any kind of relationship like that. He developed the example where the planner, even after a vacuum analyzed, the planner believed it would come up with 12,500 rows, but it actually only came up with zero, zero rows. So there were no rows that matched this query. So this is an example of the planners using its estimates based upon looking at the statistical coverage of each column individually and trying to make a conclusion about both of them because it's the where statement is taking both into consideration and there is a relationship between these. But the planner doesn't know that, so it's look, making an estimate of, say, half of the rows are this and half of the rows looking at them separately to get some kind of an estimate, but it's very inaccurate because there's actually zero rows. And he goes over the, uh, the source code and how this comes to this conclusion and looking at the PG stats view to get that information. And then it gets worse when you try to do a join. So in this example here, it thinks it's going to find 313 million rows where there's actually zero rows. So it can get worse. Now, what PG Qualstats, at least the version 2, can do, it can help detect this problem. So here is an example of a query you can run against this uh, PG Qualstats table. It's part of the extension. And it looks at when uh, looking at this value in isolation, so looking at this column, sorry, in isolation, uh, the mean ratio means how relatively accurate the statistics are is close to 1. So it just looking at one column, it gives a good estimate. But looking at one column in relation to another, meaning anded with another, as he references here, or val2 column, the mean ratio is huge. It's very far from one. So what that means is that these would be good candidates for creating statistics for. So you can define the relationships between these when they're looked at, at in combination. And he covers discussion of this and talking about uh, extended statistics where you can actually use create statistics to create these two values so it understands the relationship. Now, when you do a query, you can see it expected one row, but it got zero rows. So much more accurate. It's not, say, hundreds of millions off. Now, with that, he also talks about some slides that Thomas Vondra's put together for a talk on the subject with regard to create statistics. Now, actually, he did a webinar here that was published this week called Webinar, All You Need to Know About Create Statistics, follow-up. So this is an hour-long webinar about Create Statistics. So you can just click the link here and register for it, and you can get immediate access to looking at it. So if you want more information about Create Statistics and how it can help you educate the planner on relationships between columns, definitely a webinar to check out. The next piece of content is actually a YouTube video and it's PostgreSQL at low level. Stay curious. And this is from the All Systems Go YouTube channel. And what he covers here is not necessarily so much PostgreSQL, but 
PostgreSQL on how it runs on an operating system and containers, all sorts of different tools to look at to see what kind of behavior you're getting for your Postgres instance at a low level where Postgres runs. Is it running in a Kubernetes cluster, a VM? And he talks about all the different tools to analyze it from perf to strace. So if you want to learn more about the actual environment you're going to be running PostgreSQL in, definitely a YouTube video to check out. The next piece of content is researching PostGIS slowness. 2019 edition. And this is from secondquadrant.com. He's talking about a customer they were working with where they had a particular query that was 60 times faster when there was only a difference of 0.000001 between two different values in terms of calculating a point. But again, it was 60 times faster without that present. And they tried to replicate the environment, but they couldn't. They used the exact version of PostgreSQL, PostGIS, LibProject, and they couldn't see any differences. Then they tried Ubuntu 18.04, and finally they saw a difference. And what it led to is an actually a difference in glibc versions. So once they upgraded to the most recent glibc versions, both queries became fast. So this is just something to keep in mind that PostgreSQL is great, but it also relies on other libraries, as does PostGIS and other things in your environment. So be sure to keep aware and keep up on patches and upgrades for all the different libraries that you're using in your system to make sure you're getting optimum performance. So if you're interested in this story, go ahead and check out this blog post. The next piece of content is Optimations in Group By and Select Distinct. This is from uh, that guy from Delhi.com. And he's talking about differences in performance when doing a Select Distinct, a certain number of columns from a table versus doing a Group By. And sometimes group by can give you better performance and it has some specific optimizations that if it, there's a column present, it only uses that column for the group key. But he also made an interesting observation that a unique index wouldn't do it, but a non-unique one would. And he looked over different variations of choosing different columns, different keys to see uh, what the differences were. So it's an interesting blog post to co cover if you're interested in learning about uh, specific optimizations you could be using with a group by or select distinct. The next piece of content is creating a PostgreSQL procedural language, part three, executing user code. So this is the part three that we've covered in previous episodes. This is using uh, Julia language. And this is the next phase where they're actually gonna be executing user code. So if you've been following along, the next blog post is available. The next piece of content is actually a new website that seems to have been put up recently. It's called PostgreSQL.life. And it looks like its intent is to interview a PostgreSQL person of the week. And as of the 27th of February, they posted the first interview. So quite interesting and maybe check this on a weekly basis to see all the different people working in Postgres. The next piece of content is Parallel Vacuum in upcoming PostgreSQL 13. So this talks about the Parallel Vacuum coming in 13 that we've discussed before. They talk about how you can enable it, the different settings that will be available, and looked a little bit at its behavior. It's a little early, so they had some unexpected results so far. But interestingly, 
because you have to give it a parallel command when you run vacuum, I wonder if auto vacuum cannot do in parallel yet and you have to do it as a manual vacuum. I didn't see any reference to that, but it's just a question I'll have to keep track on as version 13 gets closer to release later in the fall. And this is from the hygo.ca website. Next piece of content is on recursive queries. This is from Haber.com, and it looks like it's been translated from Russian at a postgrespro.ru, and it's all about recursive CTEs, so with recursive ads. So if you're interested in this content, definitely blog post to check out. The next series of posts are all about PostGIS. The first one is PostGIS Day in STL, meaning St. Louis, and there's a number of presentations talking about uh, PostGIS that have been presented here. This is from uh, the cleverelephant.ca blog. Next piece of content is visualizing OCM data in QGIS. And this is from cybertech-postgresql.com. So if you have an interest in doing this uh, mapping, uh, definitely a blog post to check out. The next post is setting up SSL certificate authentication with pgpool2. And this is from the hygo.ca. And with the uh, version 4 of pgpool, they added some additional, as they say, securing authentication features, one of them talking about SSLs. So they talk about how you can generate an SSL certificate and start using it with pgpool2. And the last piece of content is how to use the SVM machine learning model with 2UDA. PostgreSQL and Orange Part 2. So again, this is about machine learning. Again, I don't have a background in this, but Part 2 of this blog post is available from secondquadrant.com. That does it for this episode of Scaling Postgres. You can get links to all the content mentioned in the show notes. Be sure to head over to scalingpostgres.com where you can sign up to receive weekly notifications of each episode. Or you could subscribe via YouTube or iTunes. Thanks.